0: Gentlemen, welcome to episode one, the very first of season two of the Canvas Casters. We have the distinct honor to have the Chief Customer Experience Officer at Instructure. Melissa Lobel here on the show today. This is a huge day for us. We have talked about having Melissa on for a really long time, so we're so excited that she's here. She is a seasoned education technology executive, a customer experience and business leader. She's also passionate in innovating digital alternatives to traditional teaching and learning practices and delivering at scale. She is an IMS, Global Learning Consortium Board member. She is also a teacher, officially 21 years in in the educational industry, and will be celebrating her seventh year at Instructure in December. Above all, she has actually listened to our podcast and is willing to publicly state that she is a listener and fan of the show. Melissa, welcome to the Canvas Casters podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I I'm, I'm am a secret fangirl, uh, or maybe not so secret anymore, and I'm just honored to be able to, to be on the show and, and chat with you too. And you have some pretty phenomenal guests. So there's some big shoes out there to fill.
0: (laughs) We've been really lucky. Marcus can attest to this and the success of of having some phenomenal guests. And Melissa, I got to say, we've had had some really great people from Instructure on, um, and we've been really excited to have you on as well. So thank you so much again for, for being on the podcast and giving us some of your time. We are recording this episode on the eve of probably the largest events virtual event that Canvas has ever put on. So we will get into that. But before we talk about CanvasCon, let's go ahead and take a huge bite right out of the elephant. This has to be just a continuing, challenging time for educators across the globe. Some of the feedback we're hearing, and I know specifically that I'm hearing, is, you know, insert your favorite meme here. Well, when things go back to normal, we won't be using Canvas anymore. So what's the point, right? When in all honesty, this is a moment uh, as a leader that we have to meet that mindset with appropriate expectations. I I truly believe that. So what changes in our industry do you believe are here to stay post COVID and what makes you really hopeful for the future?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, And I hear the same thing, right? It's how are we going to uh, change what we're doing now again once we go back to normal? And the thing I think I'm most excited about is that normal has changed and where normal has changed in is in uh, teacher's ability to experiment, right? It's way safer than it ever has been before for teachers to just go out there and try new things, for teachers to, um, uh, you know, fail, and, and and then pick back up from that learning and build and drive new experiences for their students. It's also really safe, finally, for teachers to bring students along with them, right? Being really just exposing yourself and being human and talking to students and helping them understand why you're crafting your learning experiences the way you are and how critical they are as an active learner in those processes. As opposed to past worlds where right, it's you couldn't take risks, your administration was watching, or you were so worried about your students seeing where you might be vulnerable that you would just not try anything at all. So I think I think I'm I'm excited. I'm hoping this is here to stay. This this era of taking risks, being willing to fail, fail fast and learn. And I think that's how we will see innovation and in how we teach, how we learn, and how we use technology, regardless of where the the locus of the learning is happening.
2: Yeah, the that's, I I, I hope I hope you're right. I'm with you. Uh, I've been sort of probably I'm sure teachers in my district are about over it, um, because I've been sort of on 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 the uh, a different approach where I'm like, none of this is going away. None of <laughs> buckle up. Um, I don't care what kind of pandemic is happening hybrid learning using things like canvas. We should have been doing a better job before this has forced us into it. And now this is going to stick. And so I've been really preaching to teachers in my district, like this is going to stay and we're going to be good at it um, because that's the only way that we can serve our, our community and our students best. And so, you know, <laughs> I'm not sure if they love hearing that um, all of them, but you know, I think that you definitely see the sort of, as we've said before on the podcast, we've been shoved off a cliff. Um, and so, you know, I guess to some extent that was maybe necessary in education. I I feel like, like that was sort of a a thing we dealt with.
1: Yeah, we needed that cliff or else we weren't ever going to change at the pace that we really should. And we've got, we've got a lot of changes ahead of us. Um, Even just the research around the fourth industrial revolution and the skill sets that that kids are going to need in order to be successful as they move into the workplace. That alone is forcing us to be more innovative, more creative, rethink how we're learning, because we need to rethink how students are going to be working in this future environment. And so without that cliff, I worry that education would have fallen more and more behind. And this is our ability to, to catch up and actually get in front of how the world is changing.
2: Yeah. And I like, I like what you said about um, <laughs> uh, failing and, and facing challenges as the educator um, in the room. And I'm, for those listening at home, I'm air quoting in the room right now. Um, <laughs> but I, and again, I've seen that firsthand uh, in, in working with our remote teachers I, I love what I see even when it's not going well, right? Because to see them adjust on the fly, fix and and adjust, as my high school show choir teacher said, you got to cope and adjust. Um, and, and to watch them do that in real time in a digital space where truthfully none of them felt comfortable in certainly not in March um, and not much more comfortable even at the beginning of this year, um, to to watch that happen is so so powerful, and, and to have tools like Canvas that have such a, a deep, enriching, uh, you know, uh, de- delivery system is just awesome. Um,
1: well, think um think about what the kids are learning too in that that through that failure, if the teachers. Forward about it and and sharing that. They're learning how to problem solve themselves, how to unpack a situation, how to pick yourself up when you have something that doesn't go well, and then turn it into something that's even more successful. Where do we ever get those opportunities, right, as as students, as learners? I was chatting with a, a college professor, actually a physics professor, and he was talking about his students come in trained to be perfect, and the best thing that he can do is not be perfect, because that helps his students understand what the real world's going to look like. And that's where you're not perfect. And you have to understand how to work through that. So this just gives students even another opportunity to apply that skill um, while they're learning what they need to be learning in their class.
2: Yeah, that, so that actually, Eddie, don't you love how we get to talk to amazing people? And we've, we've already ignored all of what we had prepared. Like, right. We, yeah, for we're, sure. out, we're out in deep water. We're we are uh, off the rails. I am. I'm excited. Um, it, but here's building on that, though, it what what Melissa's describing is what we call in, in the biz grit, right? It's grit. And, and I just watched the the live webinar, the canvas webinar uh, today. And it was talking about how canvas and TED TED ed videos can be sort of mashed into a very powerful thing. And they talked about uh, the the, uh, the TED Talk about grit. And, you know, how do you teach grit, right? I think Melissa just nailed how you teach grit. You model it by showing kids how to cope and adjust with the monkey wrench that gets thrown into the works on a day-to-day basis in education. I I feel like being vulnerable and, and allowing them to see that vulnerability... And then watch letting them watch you figure it out. So powerful. So powerful. It also
1: teaches them how to it, it teaches them how to be a whole human. Because not only are you learning how to build that grit within yourself, but you're understanding how that's being built in all of the other students around you, right? You're seeing their vulnerabilities. And I think this helps us prepare students. Um, for a world where they can't, they have to be aware of their bias or what they're bringing to the table, and and by observing it yourself and observing it in everyone else, you're you're able to help them un- see that before they get into that. And I think come into situations more open-minded. And once again, I think that's how we'll drive innovation, uh, regardless of the discipline students may go into or the jobs that they may do. It's it's by having that whole human perspective. And once again, if we back it into, they need to see failure. They need to understand how to build grit. They need to understand it's okay to be vulnerable, and that other people are going to have different experiences in that, and that is also okay.
2: So good, God, I love talking to smart people. It's just so <laughs> good. Um, so, I, I, actually, we were Eddie. We we're off the rails. We were, but but watch, we're back. We're back because all of I'd this, like
0: to see... I just want to see Marcus's skills here when he tries <laughs> to segue into that to his next question.
2: So we're talking in, in, in a, a teacher scale, we're talking about the whole learner, right? The entirety of the skills that it takes uh, to learn in all concepts, in all areas, right? So Eddie and I talk about... We've talked about this a lot. This is... Eddie and I are accountability buddies, right? So... I hold him accountable. He holds me accountable. We depend upon each other for, for that throughout the day, Um, whether in all walks of life, right? Not just education, but you know, all the things. So, but we do talk a lot about self care and how important it is to both of us um, that we have to have things in place in our worlds to keep us driven, motivated, focused. Um, And, we know that that's something that you're passionate about as well, Melissa. So uh, educators tend, and we can say this because we are all them, we tend to put our heads down and grind um, to get the things done regardless of what's thrown at us. So in a time like this, which is just, uh, uh, you know, it's abnormal, but we, a lot of us are behaving in similar ways. Focus. Drive through, get it done. Um, to a fault, education seems to always be the industry that, uh, you know, three, four months down the line, we look back and we say things like, how did we ever survive that? Uh, how did we get through that? Uh, we just found a way. So whether it's dealing with new guidelines, dealing with COVID in this case, evaluation strategies, uh, or, you know, hey, even learning a new LMS right here at the beginning of the school year. Um <laughs> Few, a few people have done that. Um, Who's doing that? How in the world, uh, Melissa? How would you say? Um, how in the world uh, do we continue to maintain quality education, but also not lose our minds? Advice so, and go.
1: Yeah, I, I could not agree more. And and this is probably going to be a little bit of uh, do as I say, don't do as I do, because <laughs> we're we're vo- we're volume drivers education is about volume while trying to drive quality, right? So how much can you get done? How fast can you get done? And it's got to all be perfect. So I think what I always fall back on is expectation setting. And this is where um, you can expose more of yourself to your students and you can help them understand how to manage their own expectations. So the clearer you can be at the outset of a teaching experience course, whatever it is, the better. And in fact, I suggest tiny details make a difference. So for example, in the class that I teach, um, it's very discussion heavy. And discussions are one of those places that if you do it right, you have way more stuff to read than you'll ever have time to read. And you have way more stuff than you want to comment on than you'll ever have time, time to comment on. So I always say up front to my students, here's what I expect out of the discussion experience. And here's what you can expect out of me. And we're going to agree that that's a balance and that's going to make a really rich discussion together. And that could be things like, uh, you know, 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. are off limits for me. You're not going to hear me. You know, I'm having dinner with my family and this is why or whatever um, sort of processes I, I put in place, I'm really upfront about that. And I show that personal side or that human side to me so that students understand very clearly, here's how I am going to come and be present in this course. And here's how I expect you to be present. And stepping back and asking yourself, am I, who? Is this balanced? And is this balanced in the right way? And are we, are we driving towards the right outcomes? So I always use an example for when people are building courses, but you can use it for this too and how to balance the Jenga game, right? So you stack up sticks and the goal in the game is pull some sticks out and the thing doesn't fall. Well, my my belief is that's the worst thing you can do when building a learning experience. If you go extract activities out that either you're doing or your students are doing and it doesn't fall, that means that you actually didn't need those components to drive to the outcomes that you're trying to achieve. So I always, I always suggest test, test with Jenga, right? Ask yourself, if I go in and respond four more hours to discussions, is that going to move the needle on the outcome? If I have students do two more assignments, is that moving the needle? And those are just very simple examples. That's so why I think it's, it's expectation setting. And then asking yourself, is there a fair and balanced uh, set of experiences that lead to the outcomes as opposed to, are you overdoing it? Asking your students to overdo it, or just creating an environment where where people can't um, meet each other's needs?
0: At some point, it just becomes extremely overwhelming, right? Like, oh yeah, it, you can you can continue to stack those sticks on top of that Jenga tower, and all of a sudden, it is it's. You just can't function. And I think um, right now more than ever, you know, Marcus and I have talked about it a lot on this podcast. We've talked a lot, you know, with each other. That like you just got to take time to not only evaluate, like what you said, just evaluate uh, the situation. What is some things that you know isn't going to drive the outcome? So why am I wasting time? Uh, we don't see that ever in education, right, Marcus? That we don't spin our wheels on things that might not be important. Um, it, we we do it all the time. So uh, now more than ever, it is important, you know, for educators to. Um, you know, evaluate those situations. So, um, and you know, we're not the only ones dealing with stress, right? Like teachers are obviously, we've got a lot going on. Administrators have a lot going on. Um, our ed tech people have, have either signed on to Canvas for the first time and are absolutely losing their minds or, um, you know, they're, they're seasoned veterans and they're still losing their minds. But I always think back, like we are not the only ones dealing, uh, with this type of stress. And, um, right before the pandemic took, Took hold, I was really seeing a lot of my Twitter feed and Facebook feed on some educational technology people that I follow, like this really incredible shift in empathy uh, towards students and the things they dealt with on a daily basis. You know, we saw things like just little pockets of less homework, blended learning, less standardized tests, and then all of a sudden the pandemic hit and that door just slammed shut, right? And it feels a lot of, um, and we, I feel that like a lot of that progress just went full stop. And even we reverted back to those things we were, you know, comfortable with because it's just human nature. Like as times got tough, we revert back to what's comfortable. And um, I just saw it. Like my – it's almost like if you – if you scroll Twitter as much as I scroll Twitter, it's almost like I just filter trends, right? Oh, okay, this is a trend. This is a trend. And then, you know, three months later, after COVID has been in our lives, it's like, oh, we're just reverting back to those old comfortable ways. And we're losing some of that. So um, what are some advice that you could give educators to help students right now deal with what's happening in their world?
1: Yeah, yeah. And I think, I think to your point, if it's chaotic and stressful for the teacher, it's definitely chaotic and stressful for the student. That's a good indicator, right? And so uh, a couple of things that, that I suggest, especially virtually, g- if you can, get to know your students, um, how they're managing their own self-care. So, so an example, um, I have, uh, I'm teaching right now. And uh, I'm t- in my students, I have one student that I could tell just in her work that something was going on in her world and rather than just come to her and say, Hey, are you, do you need help in my course? What can I do to help you? I said, Hey, I'm, I'm picking up on life is stressful right now. Um, Here I'm going to share something about me, right? I, I spent four months not working out and I'd worked out my entire life and I felt different and I had to implement a, a four-mile walk for myself every single day or else I couldn't function and I couldn't show up for everybody else in my world. So I shared that with her and I said, what's going on in your world? That got us into a conversation where we could talk about how her performance was being affected and I could help her understand how to balance what she was doing in the projects in my class and where she didn't need to spend as much time. And she created it in her own head that this was bigger than it really was. So if you can get to know your students, even just a little bit, in places. And I think there are, there are some some teachers that do this really well. And there are other teachers that are afraid of that, either for, I don't want to encroach on somebody's personal lives. I don't know what I can ask my students. There's a lot of laws around this. I, I think just being willing to be out there and vulnerable again, and, and just trying um, and feeling safe doing that, that will help you uh, understand individual students and their challenges, and it'll also help you understand where your course or your learning experiences may be tripping up a larger group of your students. So, if you can get to know get to know them um, and share yourself first, it it changes the way that conversation looks.
2: That's awesome. Yeah, the uh, I, I particularly. That last nugget is, I think, super valuable for for all educators. Is is you do it first, you know? We say model this, model this, model this. Um, that's easy when it's here's how to solve for x. It's not as easy when it's here's some vulnerability that I'm having right now as an adult, and um, that that's a different that's a different ball of, ball of wax altogether. Uh, I, I really love that. Um, I want to. I want to refer back to something Eddie was saying uh, a little bit earlier um, about the sort of that led into that question. Um, again, when we're talking about dealing with um, you know differing learning environments now based on circumstances, um, in in my in my K through twelve setting, our virtual teachers, our remote teachers, you know, pick your term, but. Um, I feel like our, our folks really did sort of, it was two roads and it was, if I'm, if I have any amount of comfort with the technology, I am able to go down this road where I am able uh, or willing to do what Melissa is talking about, which is to engage on a deeper level with students individually and in small groups and so forth. Um, there's a, there's a connection there with sort of the feeling of stability with the technology that they were learning or, or using. Um, so I saw teachers that did a great job because they were comfortable with the computer and they were comfortable with their LMS and, and they knew all the Google things and, and so forth. Uh, but then I also saw the, you know, the, the alternate to that, which was, I'm not confident. I'm not comfortable in this space. It's new to me. So what am I going to do? Exactly what Eddie described. I'm going to revert to what I do know and revert to what I I feel I can control. Right? You got to control something. We're teachers. We're control freaks. Um, so then I also have seen teachers that it it was, you must have your camera on because I don't know you're working unless you have your camera on. Uh, you know, those types of things, which I have urged teachers to not take that mindset because again, I feel like it's begging to control things that you don't need to hassle with. Like there are bigger fish to fry. Um, uh, so, but I, I, love all of that. I love all of what, uh, what you said about the, particularly that last, that last point, which got me really fired up and excited. So,
1: (laughs) well, well, and, and, and what you just said, and what both of you said just got me fired up. So, I get asked, I get asked all the time. Oh, you've taught for 21 years. Can I see your course? And I always go, you don't want to see my course. And they asked me why. And I said, because it's really boring. Quite frankly, if you looked at my course, you'd be like, does she know how to even make a nice looking graphic? Um, it's super clean, super clear. It's aligned to all of the other courses that my students experience. And it's boring if you just looked at it of itself. But that's, that's not... You know, we get when we get scared and we need to control back to your point. What we try to do is either over architect an experience or overcompensate for that fear of what we don't know. And it's not that I don't know Canvas or don't love Canvas, I do, and I teach in Canvas. But what makes my course is what I do as the teacher. It's how I facilitate what's in there. It's how I'm connecting to my students and how I'm connecting those students to one another. And there's so much of that you can't see by just looking at a course. So if I could give anybody advice, if you're nervous, you're uncomfortable, this is the first time you've used Canvas, this is the first time you've used any kind of online technology, simple isn't just about helping you be more comfortable. Simple is about helping you build the right learning experiences with your students that puts you in that place. It's not the technology that's driving that, you're driving that. And it allows you to have really active learners in that if you're focused on that part of the building as opposed to what's in my course? What's my course doing? You know, am I am I using the course in every way I should? I should be using this tool but I don't understand it, so I'm going to overcompensate for that and back to your point, tell students they have to have their camera on at all times. No, just keep it simple and focus on what you're doing. And I always say, focus on the spirit that you have as a teacher. There are things that we are all innately good at and not good at. I am the world's worst quiz writer. Terrible. I am just, I write the worst questions. They're vague, multiple answers, awful. But back to my point earlier, I love doing discussions. I love filling. Um, uh for, facilitating synchronous and asynchronous activities. And that's where my energy comes in in the way I teach. And I do project-based learning and, and those kinds of things. And so know what you're good at, know what you're not, keep it simple. And focus on what you're driving as opposed to what the technology is. We
0: just have to continue to, to preach ownership to a lot of these, these teachers and um, these educators that are trying this out for the first time because I think to them it would be easy to say, you know, Mrs. Johnson, you have a course that you teach second grade. I teach second grade. Let me just see your course or can you just share the content with me? And that's great in a pinch, but eventually you have to own that course and you have to make it your own. So I think this is a great place uh, to maybe take a quick break after the microphone snafu. And when we come back, we will talk about everyone's favorite subject right now, CanvasCon. I'm so excited. It's our first CanvasCon, right, Marcus? I, yes. I'm I don't think I'm outside of uh, saying that this is our very first one. And, uh, you know, then we'll talk to Melissa Lobel about what she packs inside her backpack each and every day when she uses Canvas. So stay with us on the Canvas Casters podcast.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, before we move on to the next segment of the podcast here today with the wonderful... Wonderful Melissa Lobel. Uh, we wanted to get, just take a minute here and give away some stuff. Now, if we're being honest, we don't have a lot of stuff. But we do have stickers. And we, got we know of those. we got Buku stickers. And we know that everybody loves a good sticker. You put it on your on your Chromebook, your MacBook, your Lenovo, your ASUS, your Acer, your Pixelbook. Go crazy. Right. But and then you get to just celebrate the podcast and tell all your friends and all of your co-workers and and fellow teachers. And they say, oh, my gosh, that is the cutest sticker. What is that about? And then you could be like, OMG, you guys, have you even? And then they're going to be like, what? And you're going to say the canvas casters. You don't know. And they're going to be like, no, tell me about it. And then there it goes. And the sticker started that, people. The sticker made that happen. All right? So what we want to do is spread the love. We're giving out 10. 10 stickers. 10 winners. I think multiple stickers per winner. Right? See what we're doing there? It's math. All right? 10 winners. Multiple stickers per winner. You keep one. You share it you share them out, okay? That's how we do's it. I love so, this. Yeah.
0: Did you come up with this all yourself? This was not talked about beforehand.
2: I don't share any of the good ideas with Eddie. Uh I I keep them all for myself. So this is all Marcus, this is Marcus's idea. So, here we go. I, just, I have Go I just ahead. I, I just hope I have 20 stickers somewhere. <laughs> I I've got some. I've got some, okay. I think. We're I, good I, then. I, I think. If not, you know, uh hey sticker mule. Help help us out, right? Yikes, that
0: <laughs> little Paola there.
2: Can we, can we do that? I don't know. <laughs> I don't. I don't. don't I know think we, we can. They it's don't know fine. who we are. It's fine. <laughs> um, okay, so ladies and gentlemen, we're going to have a little giveaway here, and uh, I have brought up just the, the the cutest little website you might be familiar with, uh, randomnamepicker.net. dot uh, net. And I've put in a bunch of names of some of our followers on Twitter, some people that have been active recently, liking and retweeting and, and contributing to the conversation. I got names in here, and I'm gonna spin the wheel. Let's spin magic, the wheel the sticker wheel. Let's do it. Here we go. Spin I'm excited. Number one. Here we go. This Maybe. might be
0: the worst. This might be the worst audio. Here we go.
2: Element here we go. Podcast. Spin in the wheel. I'm gonna have to change the speed. We don't have that kind of time. Brian Doppel Brian Doppel Eddie write him down Brian okay, Doppel sorry.
0: apologize Brian Doppel here we go here we, we go have ten, we have 10 of
2: these to get through yes I'll change the speed on the next one let's go quickly <laughs> Sarah Margison. Sarah Margison gets a sticker third winner coming at you here we go Misty Joaquin Misty Joaquin I'll spell it for you Eddie J-O-A-Q-U-I-N Winner number four Winner number four <laughs> David Gear Gear like the gears of a car Let's go Winner number five Coming at you. I haven't even turned on the game show voice yet Are you sure? <laughs> and coming up Number five <laughs> Wilfredo Hello! Wilfredo Padilla Wilfredo Padilla That was winner number five <laughs> Here we, we go. Five, we have five more of these? Let's go. Let's go. Sticker time. Sticker time. Steve Hartnett. Steve. steve You get a sticker. Let's go. D- I hope it's six. I think it's six. Zandra. Comas. Zandra. Like Sandra with a Z. Comis, Comas. C-O-M-A-S. a girl, Zandra. You get a sticker. Woo! Charles. Randolph Charles Randolph you get a sticker I'm going Oprah you get a sticker you get a sticker you get a sticker Charles Amanda uh uh, uh N-A-C-E is her last name Amanda Nace or Nace uh Amanda N-A-C-E Eddie write it down is that winner nine or ten that was nine okay last one for all the marbles, or in this case, a sticker or two. Brittany Crocker, C R O C K E R, as in Betty, but Brittany, not Betty Crocker, Brittany Crocker. You get a sticker and you get a sticker for your friends. We will get you, we will hit you up on Twitter, we will send a direct message to you, we will get your address, and we will be putting those stickers in the mail. For you, we lost all of our listeners in in six and a half minutes. No, we did not. That was, (laughs) and it was nine minutes. So, (laughs) welcome back to the podcast. Uh, We are here with Melissa Lobel, and uh, we're we're recording. Okay, we we try not to like timestamp the the podcast, right? We are recording they're time, the n- they're, time. they're timeless. That's right. That's right. <laughs> timeless classic move, Eddie. Well done. We try not to timestamp, but it's it's relevant here because Melissa was willing to talk to us the night before. The night before CanvasCon 2020. And uh, tomorrow morning, worldwide, it's, it's going to be popping off. And uh, so, but it's virtual. Uh, and so, you know, it, it, it doesn't seem like that long ago that that news came down and it was, frankly, crushing to me that it wasn't going to be live. Um, but I am so jazzed about what this is going to look like tomorrow um, super excited that Twitter is blowing up um, with with all the excitement, uh, all of the things that are happening. I'm sure there were a ton of challenges along the way uh, in, in you know even fashioning a plan for this, uh, let alone uh, just the the sheer transition from a, a real life event to a virtual event. So, uh, what's the inside scoop? Give us the behind the scenes uh, of, of what it was like to try to. Uh, put this thing together and have it ready to go tomorrow.
1: Yeah, it's, um, it's been quite a journey for us. Uh, what a year this has been. And, and honestly, part of this journey was, do we do it? Do we not? Uh, and particularly the in-person version of that. And if, if we can't, if we can't do the in-person version, how fast can we pull off a really great online version? Um, and so when we finally made that, that call, we We created some goals for ourselves. Like let's get ten thousand attendees. let's Let's think really big, right? And, and ten thousand attendees because we'd really only ever had about three thousand attendees uh, for our in-person events, which we were super proud of. So, yeah, ten thousand came and went. Twenty thousand came and went. In fact, we hit thirty thousand. So I think the level of stress and sweat increased as those numbers increased. Um, I can tell you our, our events team, who's holding up the technology, and um, it's pretty awesome. It's called Remo. It's it's um, it's pretty spectacular how you can still go have people connections and network and learn from one another while still being virtual. Like it's impressive to see to see this, and uh, and yeah, we're just hoping that the technology can hold it. We believe it can. Major major companies around the world have used this for larger audiences than us. Um, and so, so we're hopeful for that. I think we're also hopeful that given the extent of the audience that we have, there are so many people that are participating that never could have participated before because they couldn't either travel, leave their classroom, um, personal reasons, whatever it might be, budget. This is opening up the door for different kinds of conversations because we have so many more people and different people. So I think we're also all hoping that that diversity surfaces and that the conversation is even better than it's been in past years um, because we have just more, more more people at the table with more ideas. So fingers crossed that comes off well and that people feel that and that they don't get lost in the shuffle because that is a lot of people to be engaging with in an online conference. Um, we're hopeful, though. We're hopeful that this will rocket.
0: Yeah. And one of the uh, Marcus, she had mentioned um, exactly what we got a chance to be exposed to early on. Right. One of the coolest things is the that Remo platform that you talked about that um, having the ability to mimic an in-person event or it, this translates to school too. Like, I think it's one of the hardest things that educators and administrators and, and students, and I think it's what they deal with, um, on a daily basis and what they struggle with when they have to try to recreate their classroom environment online. Like it's the hardest thing that you can do. It is so hard to create meaningful, remote relationships, networking online community in a blended environment. Now i I didn't say it was an impossible, uh, it, it's just hard. Right. And what I loved most is that it just felt very, when Marcus and I got a chance to jump on and collaborate with some folks, um, that we just, we just jumped on a table Like we, we were bombing tables left and right. We'd jump on a table and be like, Hey, we're the came. No, we, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Hey, what's going on? You know? And they'd be like, well, it seems like you two know each other. Um, you know, but I'm from Pittsburgh and it, we just had a really good conversation with a lot of people and it was a lot of fun, but, um, Um, it just felt very intentional uh, from my point of view that you were trying to create a space or Remo was allowing a space for collaboration and a place to connect. Are those some of the, the things at the core of what CanvasCon is and are some of the decisions that you guys made and the events team made, um, for something, you know, as large (laughs) as CanvasCon has now become?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you nailed it. Um, we believe that the spirit of Canvas is the community that uses Canvas. It's been that way from day one, and we weren't gonna do this online unless we could bring that spirit to the table. And one of the things that I really like about the platform is that as you described, you have this ability to connect and it actually creates visually the experience of what you might feel at an actual conference. So I'm gonna date myself. When I first started teaching, it was when um, you could I use this old platform, it's really old. It was out of SRI called Tapped In. And it was a synchronous chat platform, but you could have hot tubs and you know hot dog carts, and you could you did this synchronous chat alongside what felt like very physical human pieces. And that's what I like about this camp, this con platform that we're using is it's it's that got that same kind of feel from a physical person exchange perspective alongside just being able to handle a mass number of people doing a lot of different things all at the same time. And that's the spirit of campus. It's about making that connection and bringing the community together.
2: Yeah, it's, it's such a cool uh, platform and just the concept of it. Like you said, um, clearly a deliberate effort to make a virtual experience that is, as far as I'm concerned it's different than anything I've ever uh, seen or experienced um, in in anything virtual um, and you, you'd mentioned that you know some large companies have used this for larger events even than this um, which is awesome uh, but it's not something that myself or truthfully any educator I've come across uh, I don't think anybody in education has seen anything like this and I know that Uh, Like we said, when when we were able to get in there and sort of just sort of experience a a very little bit of it, just a taste of it. I mean, so great to be able to navigate. I think I think navigation is very easy. It's very visual. Um, I'm, you know, I'm a tech guy, but you don't have to be a tech person. It's very clear. There are tables. You're at a chair at a table. Um, You can move to other like it's you're mingling. Uh, and and uh, it's really, really cool. Um, and and I, I can't wait to see it uh, to play out, you know, sort of full bore uh, tomorrow. Um, I, I just I'm so, I'm so stoked. I don't know if I'm going to sleep tonight. It's like Christmas Eve. <laughs> I'm
1: stoked
2: right along uh, with you. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Melissa's I not. sleep mo- better tonight than you do.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's what I was going to say. Melissa's probably not sleeping for different reasons. Tonight. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right.
1: We're we're working with people in all of our regions. And so in a couple hours, it's going to kick off for our Australia friends, for example, and right in that region. So it's gonna be exciting. <laughs> uh,
2: are you a are you a coffee drinker, by chance?
1: So I'm a tea drinker. Um only because I my parents never drank coffee growing up. So I never acquired a taste for it. Um, but I am a heavy tea drinker. So there's a lot of English breakfast in my future.
2: <laughs> I was going to say, you got, you got, you got it lined up. You're just going to have a constant, oh yeah, constant flow for sure. Uh, that's yep. going to be so cool. Uh, so I, I have just one more question. Um, we talked at the top of the show about, um, the fact that, you know, what, one of the things that I'll speak for myself, I won't speak for Eddie. One of the things that I love about you is that you've got such a deep, uh, you know, educational experience, background as a teacher. Um, and with those those years of experience, you've seen a lot of changes. Eddie and I always talk about how educational leadership uh, is so important uh, to remember, um, you know, as you, you know, and you're teaching right now. Um, I'm able to get into classrooms now. And that helps me stay connected, even though, the bulk of my job these days is maybe not in the classroom. Um, I'm, I'm visiting, I get to visit, uh, I, I swoop in, I do fun stuff and then I leave. Um, but the, it, the, the technology, it's important to remember that we have uh, a lot going on, right? Um, so as we think about those things, we ask all of our guests, and this is the, you know, what's coming. You know what's coming here.
1: I know it's coming. Uh,
2: we ask everybody one consistent question and we got to ask you, uh, Melissa. So um, what is in your canvas backpack?
1: Aha. I love this question, by the way, because I have learned so much from all of your guests and there are things that I apply every single time I uh, teach my course and I teach it multiple times a year. So so thank you to all of you out there that have been guests that have shared pretty incredible uh, tips and tricks. So mine's probably pretty pretty simple and, and straightforward, but it's, it's a huge go-to for me because it lets me do two things. One, it lets me be more efficient with my time. And two, it lets me deliver better feedback for students. So I am a devout rubric user um, and I am a devout within the rubric I will reuse my comments, but I write really good comments, like detailed comments. So for example, I have um, in one of my classes, it's focused on designing interactive e-learning and they work on a project. And one of my criteria in in one phase of their project is um, have they set up uh, the right kind of learning experience for their audience? So my feedback, rather than just being great audience definition, it'll be, you know, your audience is aligned well to your learning objectives because you've done you know, X, Y, and Z. You've thought about their technology skills. You've thought about their age or whatever it might be. And I love the fact that I can reuse those because then what I can do is I've got like a pool of about 20 that typically cover each one of my criteria. And every rubric I have has at least usually five criteria, not more than 10, but about five, five to seven. It allows me to then give really detailed personal comments in the actual feedback area as I'm grading assignments in SpeedGrader. So not not just giving people points, but letting them have tactical feedback on the rubric that they've seen ahead of time, alongside very specific feedback on their projects. I just see better and better work from students and less stress. To our point in the very beginning of the conversation, it allows students to feel more comfortable um, taking risks and innovating because they know how they're being graded against their rubric, but then they also know that we're going to get deeper and just unpack and and look at how can they improve and iterate on the work that they're doing. So that's probably my, my tip. Like I said, I bet everybody does that or a lot of people already use that. It's kind of simple. It's also a time saver, um, but it's really helped me hone how I provide feedback.
0: We love it when somebody comes on our show and gives us something brand new, which I don't know, Marcus, if anybody has described rubrics in such a way that that's meaningful feedback, that's targeted, tactical. Um, that's it's perfect. Marcus may disagree on the the purpose of rubrics every once in a while, no. but I'm just like rubrics, 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 right? No, <laughs> bouncing it on
2: the. That's board. that's what I wanted to I wanted to jump in on because I like if there was ever a, uh, that was the most efficient uh, pitch for rubrics that I've heard, like I'm all in. Um, and here's, here's the reason why, because it's not just using the rubric as this, you know, number, this weird number combo thing. It's that feedback and and the word that, that Eddie and I are thinking is, is tactical. There's a, there's a, there's a, there is a purpose to the feedback. And we, again, this is one of the things we, there's, it's easier said than done. Um, but a rubric that says you got a four out of five a three out of three out of five, a two out of five, who cares? The, all you're doing is rearranging percentages. You're just grading with a different set of numbers. That's, that's garbage if that's all you're doing. But what got me there with what, what Melissa said is it's, it's the rubric. It's telling the kids what is in store, what the expectation is. Go back to the first five minutes of this conversation. Let them know the expectation up front. And then giving them that detailed, focused, tactical feedback that they can actually use and take to heart. And, and that to me, that's the difference between, you know, the rubric as I've seen it used and probably how I've used it, frankly, in the past. And that's, you know, what separates, um, you know, the men from the boys, if you will, um, is taking that next step is that's what changes the game. So I love that. I want everybody if you take that, put it in your brainium and, and <laughs> carry it with you, because that is that is it. And
0: honestly, uh, Melissa, we can say it all day long. But Marcus and I uh, started this podcast, you know, a year and, and some time ago. But we also were doing this thing and communicating with some people from Canvas when you became uh, the star that you are now uh, at Canvas. Like this is huge, and it, it's been a it's it's been a great experience for us because. Um, We have kind of watched you take on the role that you have at Instructure and really like just nail it out of the park. I don't know if anybody could quite handle the level of uh, not only stress, but also just sheer volume of uh, customer success and experiences and because right now it's probably not a great time to be in the customer service industry. Um, but you, everybody at Instructor is handling it so well, obviously, and and doing this in a time of just sheer panic for a lot of educators. Uh, it's just been, it, it's it been super comforting, I think, from from my side of things. And I know Marcus is an educator and, and being in the schools regularly to have um, the voice of reason, but also somebody that is deeply rooted in education, making decisions um, for that experience with Canvas. So um, we are just, we are fanboying as much as we can on just having you on the show today, because it's been a just a phenomenal experience. You have talked so much about all of the things that we think a lot of educators probably need to hear right now.
2: Whew. Let's go. Let's go. Oh.
1: <laughs> I, I am so stoked you guys liked that tip. I can't believe Nobody's said it, although as I'm thinking about all the episodes, I don't think anybody has said it. Um, and it isn't, to some what you just said, Marcus, it isn't about grading, it's about feedback. It can be used in grading, but the purpose of it for me is not to grade. The purpose is to deliver feedback. So, and then I have to on the side say, I'm touched by by um, your faith in me and and your support of me. Um, I, I would say this to every single teacher out there, whether you're using Canvas or not, I'd say this to every administrator, if there's anything that I can do to help that journey, um, uh, feedback on how I can change how I'm a part of this larger educational ecosystem, um, please always reach out to me. It's so easy to find me. It's Melissa at Instructure.com. And I just, for me, my life's passion is to to, to be a part of an incredible group of people that are changing the way people learn. And that's that's powerful to me. And so if I can ever do better, do differently, do more, do less, I wanna know that. Um, and I, and I, I'm just so honored to continue to be accepted by this community and to, and to be able to help foster together um, some pretty incredible people that are gonna be changing the way our world wo- looks
0: it shows it shows every day in your communication with people in the canvas community and those things that uh you're putting out there publicly whether it's press releases or the other things that we're seeing and and we can't wait to see it in action during CanvasCon. and we are really excited for the future and obviously thank you so much for giving us an hour of your time uh tonight so we can we can talk canvas
1: thank you so much Everybody's talking.